This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast, part of the Demcast family of podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Cox. With the presidential race potentially hinging on voter turnout, reaching the so-called low propensity voter has never been more crucial, whether they are friends or relatives or people you encounter while phone or text banking. Rachel Miller is a deputy editor for Vice, and she spoke with a number of experts about how to get through to these hard to reach voters. She joins us to talk about it next. So as many of us are phone banking like crazy right now and also trying to reach as many friends and relatives as we possibly can, pretty much everybody that I know is running into the apathetic voter, somebody who says that for whatever reason, they just don't see the point in voting. Because we know that voter turnout is more important than it has ever been, I have invited on Rachel Miller. In a recent piece she did for Vice, Rachel spoke to a series of experts about how to reach the apathetic voter in your life. Rachel is the deputy editor of Vice Life, and we are so glad that she could join us and she has an awesome new microphone so she's going to sound great (laughs) hello rachel how are you great thank you so much for having me well so let's start here what first got you interested in writing about this subject have you had the similar challenges of uh convincing particular people in your life to vote yeah, I haven't had it as much this year, but I've definitely had it in the past. Um, I think by this year, I'm luckily surrounded by people who who are ready and eager to vote. But um, I understand the challenge well, and I know that a lot of my friends are having that problem this year. I think it happens every four years, and it's only getting worse over time. So um, I was like, oh, this is an area where I can be helpful, both from my own personal experiences, and then also reaching out to some experts who can weigh in. Well, it's a great piece. And like I say, uh, the, the experts that you uh, talked with had a lot to say about this, one of the first things they say is to take the time to listen to the reasons why somebody is not voting. Uh, Why do Mm -hmm. they say that? Well, I think that's just courteous. And if you want to have a conversation with anyone, you should be listening to them. And if you want to have a discussion or an argument with anyone, you kind of need to know where they're coming from so that you can tailor your conversation accordingly. But I also think it's important to think to like listen to them so you can think about, okay, am I the best person to convince them? Or do they have reasons that make me think, oh, you know, like they don't want their mind changed, whether that's because of their past experiences or because they're like too deep in conspiracy theories and like, it's just not worth it. Like you should be really honest with yourself of like, am I the right person to convince them? Is that the best use of my time? And be willing to say, you know what? All right, I tried, but not this person, not this year. Yeah, I mean, you can also kind of determine, as you say in the piece, that they're just trying to get a rise out of you and then just mm-hmm. kind of like, not worth my time, move on. Yeah. Um, the experts also say that to change people's mind, that you need to focus past the presidential race and kind of down ballot. Explain a little bit more what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the things that was surprising to me several years ago as a voter was learning just how much local elections and state elections affect our day-to-day lives. And those are ones where there's a case to be made for votes counting a lot more, that they go a lot further. And I think for people who are feeling apathetic, it's like, you know, a lot of the things are burned out. A lot of the things that you're feeling upset about are determined in your local Congress or by your city council or by a district attorney or a sheriff. Like these are the people who make these decisions. And like you have a chance to actually get involved with that and care about that. And I think it's a shame that we really lost sight of that. So it's actually fairly empowering to realize, oh, even if I don't feel good about who I'm voting for, for president, I can feel really 
really good about my congressperson. And then once I voted for them, I can call their office every time I have something to say. And like, they'll listen because I'm their constituent. And I think that's a really good feeling. You have an example where if somebody mentions how hard it is to vote, that you can say, well, that's under the control of state and local officials. So if you're really concerned about that, vote them out, right? Yeah, exactly. I think it's really surprising to realize just how many uh, officials who uh, who like have really big impact, especially this year. You know, one of the people I spoke to was saying that he's been really frustrated with his school district for reopening. And he was like, then I found out I voted for this person. I realized that I had. And like that, it's, it's not just some abstract thing that happens elsewhere. Like politics happens all around us all the time. And like we can, we have a huge role to play in that. And also something that you stressed I thought was really important is uh, if somebody says that their vote doesn't matter, you remind them that fewer people tend to vote for things like mm-hmm. school, you know, school uh, superintendent and legislators mm-hmm. and city council members. And so your vote matters a lot more in those races. It really does. Yeah, those can be decided by a handful of votes like that happens quite often. And so um I mean, I think all votes matter, but if they want to get into the numbers and the nitty gritty, I think that's a really good example of like, no, actually, like these little votes matter a lot. Well, we saw that in the 2018 race, or was it the 2019 race? All of a sudden, I'm blanking, but it was the Virginia House of Delegates race that came down to a coin flip uh, in, in one particular Wild. race. And yeah, and the entire control of the House of Delegates came down to that coin flip. So your vote absolutely yeah, does matter. It really does. So um, we live in a state, we're in Washington state. It is absolutely going for Biden. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. What should we say to people in blue states who say that their vote for president just doesn't matter? Well, the experts that I talked to um, were really clear that this year we need a landslide. If you want Biden to win, like you need to want him to win big, that this is really about um, having sort of no room for debate. And obviously that's going to happen regardless, but the the bigger swell that there is, the better. And so um, this year more than ever, it's really hard to make the argument that like the popular vote and the public sort of consensus doesn't count. One of the experts said that it's, it's actually important to boost your demographic. So mm-hmm. if you say are Latinx or you are a non-college uh, educated white person, it's important to boost mm-hmm. your demographic for Democrats, right? If that's yeah, what you're going to vote. Yeah, absolutely. To show who you are and, and what you have to say. And I didn't, there was an expert who I didn't get a chance to talk to that I was, it was the mayor of Ithaca. Um, but I watched him in conversation with somebody I did talk to. And he was saying that like, he was like, sorry to say it, but like politicians care about who their voters are. Like, like they care about who's voting for them. And if you don't ever show up to elections, they're not going to listen as much. And like, that's a really unfortunate reality. But if you want them to take you seriously over the next two or four years, like you need to show that you actually do, that you will vote them out or that you voted for them and now you're holding them accountable. So it is important to be counted and kind of have yourself on the record. Something else that you found that I thought was particularly interesting uh, was that uh, the experts that you talked to note that you shouldn't try to get somebody excited about the presidential campaign specifically. Why not? I mean, I think that's a really high bar and maybe too high of a bar. If somebody is not even sure that they're going to vote, getting them all the way to being excited is like maybe just too much to ask. And I I think it's kind of like, what point does this serve? Like, who is this for? And I think a lot of times it's probably more about you because you're really excited. And if, if your friends aren't also excited, it's telling you like, it feels bad to feel like your friends aren't a fan the way that you are, but like, that's not what this is about. These are elected officials who are there to do a job. I'm not always excited about specific candidates. It's fine. I show up and vote every chance I get. So I think I think being excited is just way too high of a bar and we need to like get people in the door and get them voting 
um, and excitement can come later. I think that's uh, an incredibly important point, especially because we know that there are a number of progressives who are not terribly excited about Biden, but we need them to go and pull the lever for him anyway. You also mentioned in this piece that it's important to acknowledge the candidate's flaws when those sorts of things come up. Can you talk about that a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. Yeah, I just think that if you don't do that, you come across as a little little tone deaf and a little unrealistic and no one wants to feel like they're being lied to or that you're BSing them. And if you're sitting there saying that this person is perfect, like that comes across as so disingenuous and it makes people less likely to trust you. So I think it's actually more powerful if you say, you know, like I personally am not excited about this. I feel kind of icky about this person for this reason, but I'm looking at the big picture. I think that actually means a lot to people because I think everyone is worried about like, if I vote for this person, is that an endorsement of them wholesale? What does that say about me? And so to tell people like, it's actually okay to weigh the pros and cons and make a decision that you don't support them 100% is like a really reassuring and validating thing to hear. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, it really is almost creating a a permission uh, framework, which I think Mm -hmm. is a great way to let somebody in there. And your piece also says that if your friends are in a privileged group and they are aware of the fact that they're in a privileged group, that you can use that. So give me some examples of what that might sound like. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of people who um, acknowledge their privilege, especially after this summer and the conversations that we've been having. And I think that, you know, if they don't want to vote, if they don't see the point in voting, it might be time to remind them that voter disenfranchisement in the United States is just like outrageous and astonishing and completely unjust. And so if they don't want to vote for themselves, I don't know, you can look at the lines of people who are waiting to vote, all of the you know, formerly incarcerated people who are desperate to vote and say, like, you don't have to want to do this for yourself, but can you understand the huge privilege that you have to be able to vote safely without fear of, you know, so many different things, like, do it for them, if not for yourself. And I think for some people that can resonate. Not everyone, but it's worth a shot. I would also add that there are policy choices and decisions that are on the line that may not affect people who are in a privileged position that absolutely will affect LGBTQ, Latinx, uh, BIPOC people, and and so forth. Um, Mm -hmm. You close your article in an interesting way. a lot of the time, you know, you'll, you'll find somebody who cares deeply, but just feels beaten down, you know, by, by mm-hmm. the world of affairs and, and by politics in general. And you uh, suggested a very interesting way to reach those people. Yeah, I think it's really important to, like, remind them of their power and communicate all the things besides voting that they can do, whether that is voting local or getting involved in some other way, why that, like, maybe it's working at the polls. Like, there's so many different options and there's so many ways to participate and help the people you care about. And that can be more directly, that can be going to work in a food bank, if that's something that you care about, or it can be going to work at the polls. Like, there's no singular path for everyone. And I think it's important to, like, remind people that you can, you can do this and you can participate and do civic duty in a lot of different ways. And it's about finding the thing that works for you, but also you should vote, vote local. Like that's that's yeah. also a really good way to do it. But engagement, I think, is a really great way just generally to kind of get people more uh, involved with their community, kind of understand uh, Absolutely. the stakes, right? I think once you see, once you do that a little bit, and I think the protests have been really good for that, of seeing what happens when people come out together, like that is a really energizing thing. And I think once you get a taste of it, you're like, oh, I can keep doing this and I can be helpful and I can be involved and it like motivates you for years going forward. But it's that first little bit of it that sometimes people just need a friend to tell them. I mean, I had a friend who told me, I think it was in 2012, she was like, um, I was like, oh, I'm so exhausted. And she was, she works in politics and she was like, you haven't done anything. Like you're exhausted (laughs) from reading the news, like go knock on doors and then then say you're exhausted. And I was like, got it. And I think about that 
every election cycle that, you know, um, it is very easy to get exhausted just scrolling through Twitter or having arguments on Facebook or whatever the case may be. But like, if you're going to be exhausted, exhaust yourself, phone banking or calling or doing something that's actually making a big difference. So did that suggestion work for you? Did you get more involved? It did. Yeah, I did. Um, I became, I started doing supporter housing, which is, um, if you have like a spare bedroom or you're not at your apartment right now, you can let people from campaigns who need to be like living locally stay in your place. So I've done supporter housing twice now. Um, I'm writing letters this year. Like there's so many different ways to get involved, but supporter housing was one I wasn't aware of. I had never heard of. And I was like, this is a, like, I have a home that has an extra room. Like this is great. Somebody lived with us for, I think like two or three months. And it was the thing I had never considered before that like cost me nothing. Ultimately, it was a really easy thing to do, but like that person really needed that. So it's nice to realize that there's kind of something for everyone, no matter what your specific talents are. If you're afraid of getting on the phone, you don't have to necessarily call people, like find the thing that works for you and do that. And I feel really heartened by the number of people who really seem to have gotten that message in 2016. And people are just turning out this year and doing and really participating. And it's like so wonderful to see that people are like all hands on deck. We're going to, we're going to turn things around. Oh my God. I completely agree. Seeing people do all the work, you know, if phone banking isn't your thing, there's text banking, there's uh, Mm -hmm. postcards, there's sign waving. There's so much that's being done right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, I will mention that in addition to uh, writing for Vice and being a deputy editor there, you also have a blog too, right? I do. Yes. My blog is just good. Dot com. I hope I can say that on, you on your did. show. Yeah, it's all good. Well, too late. <laughs> Justgoodshit.com. Um, there's links to my book. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter where I share the things that I'm reading and um, enjoying and writing and, and cooking, all those kinds of things. So justgoodshit.com is the best place to find me and links out to everything else. Excellent. And I will have a link for viewers and listeners in the show notes to the article that you wrote. Rachel Miller, it has been so much fun. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is great. And that's going to do it for today. Thanks again to Rachel Miller. Our website is indivisiblepodcast.org and our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. The Washington State Indivisible Podcast is a production of Get Creative Inc. and is part of the Demcast family of podcasts. Learn more about Demcast at demcastusa.com. Thanks this week to Catherine Feisier. Special thanks to Lori Kawal. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.